Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ninja Nerds Podcast, Episode 5. Today's podcast is a continuation of anime. It's called Part 2. So if you haven't heard Part 1, that's Episode 4. We highly encourage you to listen to that and come back to Episode 5. To everyone new here, welcome to the dojo. My name is Sadia. And everyone who's tuning back in, thank you for coming back. I have a ninja partner with me, and he's going to introduce himself. You want to say hello, buddy? Yes, Uh, konnichiwa, Uh, which means hello in Japanese for anyone who doesn't know. Um, Yes, my name is Saud and I am the ninja partner Mm -hmm. of Sadia. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So before we start, I just want to list off a couple things that we're going to talk about today just to go over maybe like a brief agenda. So we talked about an overall spectrum of, I guess, what anime is last time. But today's topics are going to be a little bit deeper. So we're going to be talking about the cultural uh, narrative in anime compared to Western tropes, some of the criticisms of anime that you get here in, in in the Western media versus what you get over there. So for example, some criticisms that we agree with, some things we side with, some things we do disagree with, and how overall anime is becoming kind of a sensation here as well, despite the criticisms. And we also want to briefly talk about how in certain other parts of the world, how anime has become kind of a sensation over there. And we just want to go into a little bit of a deeper dive of to, in regards to the subgenres and some of the overall cultural differences. What's one of the big um, differences that you've seen, Sadia? Ooh, you know what? It's it, it sort of, for me, stems when it comes to like romantic confessions or romantic mm-hmm. relationships. Because I find in most animes, they tend to focus on like the confession aspect or building the bond and it's usually done at at a slow a slow burn rate yes and i i find that it works for some stories in in anime shows and series it's weird because i don't necessarily see that a lot in western animated series it's it's like even with the certain genres in anime if it's more adult themed, there's still a confessional aspect to it in addition to the physicality or the 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 more explicit nature of those genres. There's still always a confession to it. In Western animation, it's sort of a mixed bag. Do, do you see that as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm going to give a more of like a vivid example <laughs> of what you're talking about because yeah you're completely right there is a there is a difference between like the idea of confessions but to someone over here they might not even know what that means right Cause yeah over, that's true over, like over here it's very subtle it's just like oh you know like let's let's talk about our relationship through texting or like you got to hit on this person through text or whatever that's just a really i guess bad example but in japan <laughs> in anime it's so and in, in, it's so different because i remember there's one anime specifically called lovely complex and then you have other ones like Love Hina, which are all rom-coms pretty much. But what they do in animes is when character A likes character B, it's this thing that to do, which I really actually like. And like one character will like bow down and will be like, I have feelings for you, or I like you. Will you please go out with me? And the other character will be like, yes or no. And literally that's it. They'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. And they'll walk away from each other if it's a no. If it's a yes, they have like this gleeful face of delight and they go out with each other. And I'm not going to lie, I, I do agree in the sense that, yes, yeah, sometimes I do like it only because <laughs> I like it in the sense that I, I almost wish that it was things were that clear over here. <laughs> where we live. <laughs> if people can just like communicate clearly, you know, like I have feelings for you and the person says yes or no. And you work from there versus trying to read off nuances. So I think that's, I guess, 
a narrative or a difference in the culture that I really like to watch. And obviously, like, things are very different here, whatever, that's the case. But I just think it's a really fun thing to watch. And I think it's something a lot of audience can take away from when they're watching a medium like anime. I think something that you can learn from as someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, there I will are- say it's also super cute. It, depending on the anime, when they get all exaggerated and they have, they yeah. get all blushed looking, and then the person who's receiving that confession is like either super shocked or sometimes in the case they confess right back, and so you have this like confession <laughs> of going back and forth. Yeah, which exactly. Is super cute. But like no but one's <laughs> no one's mad at each other for it. That's what I fucking like. No one's like, can you believe the way like this person just said hello to me through text? That shit doesn't happen in anime. <laughs> like they just they just have feelings and that's what it is, which I liked. And I remember we talked about this too, because with um Western animation or Western shows that are more based on teenhood or teen romance. Uh, a lot of it's based on the idea of lust, I would say. Sometimes it's like, let's we got to get into like this person's pants or like, I got to get laid. And they mm-hmm. try to mask it off as like, that's that's the story, right? Um, versus Japan. They do obviously have lust, which is going to be a topic we will dive into. There's a <laughs> lot to talk about there. But we're talking about more of, I guess, the mainstream teen audience of females where their rom-coms is more directly focused from what I've seen on feelings itself. And mm. being in a relationship where it's just like, oh, I got to get into that girl's pants or something. Or like, I got to get laid. Or like an example, like it's not an anime, but like in shows like or a movie, like, for example, American Pie or something. Like the whole focus was the idea of teenhood and him trying to <laughs> get laid throughout the entire movie. Um, I don't think that's something you see as much in, in mainstream anime that's focused more on teen romance or even romantic comedies in terms of the mainstream perspective from what i've seen that is yeah and that would be like a big cultural difference between the east and the west in terms of how they perceive romance and sex and 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 things of a romantic relationship for that nature it's really interesting to see how that plays into their narratives as well so it's funny you mentioned um anime specifically uh, targeted towards females because this is a really good cultural difference there are specific genres, which we did mention in our last podcast, but with these specific genres, there are also specific styles of animation. And having said that, we we mentioned, I think in our last one, that there's shoujo, which is, gen- which is a genre typically intended for young female audiences, mm-hmm. and shonen, which is generally aimed at a young teen male target demographic. Now, mm-hmm. because these are two specific genres targeted to two specific audiences, they also have a specific style and it's almost very easy to pick up from the style what kind of genre you're watching without even knowing what the genre is. That is, I think, a really big difference when it comes to East and West animation as a whole. Now. I don't know if it has I don't know if it has anything to do with anything super cultural, but it is a it is a definite difference. I would say that's kind of a redundant thing to say, but it 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 does make it very different from Western animation. So I think there's a certain style, and and I apologize for saying this wrong. It's mm-hmm. b- bishonen. Bishonen, b- yeah. Bishonen, yeah. Would yeah. bishonen, which literally translated means beautiful boy. And it's where the male characters in the anime are known for having female 
or, or more feminine aspects and they have and they found sort of a place in Japanese pop culture so you have model like actors and rock stars who all kind of emulate this 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 image and thus it's now been referenced and used as a style of animation in a lot of shoujo anime which is uh, anime targeted more towards a younger female audience as so a, a really good example is fruit baskets Mm -hmm. Vampire Night, these are all animes where the males are drawn in a way to make them look very beautiful, but it's inspired mm -hmm. by a Japanese pop cultural movement, which is really cool, I think, and we don't really have that here, but it's kind of like this cool, this kind of tie-in to what's happening in Japan and translating it into their, into their anime. It's super cool. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I actually do like it that they do that. Like, I like the idea of they have their own, I guess what you might call category or or even a subgenre of animation called bishonen. Because to me, that shows like that they kind of respect their audience, they respect their market, and I think it goes back to what we usually talk about sometimes when we talk about amongst ourselves how it goes to that people actually take the idea of animation seriously. That people like the specific animation, so we will cater it that way. So these these specific audience members will like it for what it is, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which is something I don't see a lot in Western shows or animation. I know there's different styles of Western animation. Obviously, there is. Like, there's there's CGI, there's stop motion, there's all these types of different animation. But every time I watch it, to me, because I've seen anime and, I guess, Western animation, when I watch something like, um, I don't know, SpongeBob SquarePants, that's right, I'm an adult watching SpongeBob SquarePants, um, <laughs> When I watch that, it's it's not like oh, this is a specific animation style clearly catered to this audience, right? Um, it's just a different it's just a different animation style just for that cartoon, and it works for their characters, it works for their world, or whatever it is. And I like in Japan that they can do that with things like the shonen that they can cater it and module it to a way where people take animation seriously to a level where like you have different audience members for this, right? Mm -hmm. um, which I do enjoy. I do have my criticism about that as well, but I'll go into that a little bit later as well um, yeah and i do agree with you in in that sense where it, it, it's it's neat that yeah. you have a you have a art style that is i don't want to use the word respected but it is a it's an art style that has been accepted to be this certain genre or style of genre and people like it and they kind of run with it they don't really question Oh, why are they using this style? Or what, what's what's with this form of anim anime? I don't really like it. They kind of they're open to it, which is which is always cool. Um, SpongeBob, funny enough, we're gonna uh -huh. go there. So, in Western animation or Western animated series or cartoons, while they are specific targeted shows, so you've got shows that are meant for children and teenagers and adults. You'll notice that. Previously, we were talking about how there's different styles for different genres, but in the West, each animated series has a unique style, and that's representative of the animator. And again, like we mentioned, whereas in the East, you've got a specific genre that might have a specific style. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean an animator in Japan, you know, is 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 not unique to their to their own style of art. That's not what we're saying. Each animator has a unique style to their to their to their art. However, in the West, it is a lot more evident because no two animated series cartoons look relatively similar unless they are being 
created by the same animation company or animator or production team and so forth. So a really good example is the plethora of different styles when it comes to children's shows. So you've got Paw Patrol, which is huge everywhere. Let me just state that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's insane how big that is all over the Why? world. Why? I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I apologize. <laughs> um, so you have Paw Patrol, which is sort of CGI remnants in terms of 3D looking animation. Barbie's multiple shows. I actually don't even know what that show is called. I tried looking this up. I'm sorry, everyone. Barbie's got multiple shows yeah. also in the same realm of CGI 3D animation. Arthur, that's 2D. Hey Arnold, various Cartoon Network shows, Teletoon, Nickelodeon, these are all TV networks that produce different styles of animated series, but none of them really look the same, and that's due to the animator. And that's also a really cool thing that we have in the West, that you can yeah. instantly tell that, oh, that, that, that's from that show, just from the animation. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of cool that we have that here as well, don't you think? Yeah, uh, I do agree that th that's very cool to see as well. I think with Western animation, from what I look at, has to do with a lot with the narrative approach. I feel like for them, animation is obviously very important, but I feel like compared to how Japan looks at something like the Shonen, to them it's just like, no, our narrative is very important, much, much as our animation. If someone doesn't like the style of animation, I feel like it's not the end of the world for them. For my observations, again, obviously, again, like if it's if if it's done in a <laughs> if it's done very poorly, obviously that would matter to them. But I think to them, the narrative approach is very important in terms of character, comedy, or something like even SpongeBob. I feel like what really resonates with people is hopefully the animation, but I think it's the comedy that really sticks out over here, right? Or the yeah. character tropes or whatever. Versus, again, in Japan, I know for me, personally, there have been times where I won't even watch an anime as good as the content is, and this is very ignorant of me to do so, but I'll admit I've done it a few times, where I won't even watch it based on how the animation looks. I'm like, oh, this isn't, for example, if, if, if I'm, a, I guess, a teen girl in Japan, um, this isn't Bishonen enough for me, so I won't even give it a chance or something. That's never happened. I'm just giving, giving an example. So, like, if... If there's a specific animation style that doesn't cater to what I like in anime, I don't know why I do this. I've been so honed in to watch anime with a specific style. Mm -hmm. I won't even watch specific ones because I'm like, oh, it doesn't look like this one, despite mm -hmm. the amazing content. And I do have to get better at that person. It's just a self-critique for myself. But again, in Western animation, when I'm looking at it, it means like something like Hey Arnold, very, very simple, um, I guess, visual character traits. Nothing that's too heavy on like, I don't know, something you see on Inuyasha, right? Obviously, it's very different. But again, it goes back to the comedy, it goes back to the characters for me in terms of what I like in Western animation. And they all are vastly very different in terms of animation styles, just like you mentioned. I do want to say that you did mention certain studios have similar animation styles. So just another couple of, another good example would be if it's a certain create, if it's, if it's a specific creator of that show. So someone like Seth MacFarlane, if you watch all his shows, so Family Guy, American Dad, that, what is it? Fucking Cleveland Show. Cleveland the Cleveland Show. show. Oh, it's, it's, I don't like it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not good. Uh, all similar, all very similar animation styles. Matt Groening with Futurama, Simpsons. And they released a third show, I think, on that. Disenchant Disenchantment. Disenchanted. There we go. Again, very, very similar art styles, right? So, But that goes upon back to the creators and pretty much, like you said, the production companies. Exactly. And you do actually have shows here that are inspired by Japanese anime or their style of animation. A really 
popular one and actually more of a groundbreaking animated series for here in the West is Avatar, The Last Airbender. Remember the first time I saw that show, I thought it was a Japanese anime trying to look more Western when yeah. really it was the complete opposite. Yeah. It was a Western animated series that was being inspired by Japanese anime. And anybody who hasn't seen Avatar, The Last Airbender, and we are talking about the animated series, not the movie, oh. Avatar, The Last Airbender, <laughs> give it a shot. It is a fantastic animated series. Also, uh, some Canadian animated shows that were shown in Canada. Martin Mystery, shout out to anyone who knows Martin Mystery, Totally Spies. Uh, it's actually uh, created by Marathon Media, which is a French television production company, and Image Entertainment Corp, which is a Canadian animation production company. And their style of their animation is very inspired by Japanese anime. And it, it's also cool to see that here as well. You kind of get um, inspiration from different parts of the world in terms of how you choose to tell your story. And I want to quickly recommend a show if you're if you want to see a plethora, a, a variety of different styles of animation. Mm. Check out the Netflix show Love, Death, and Robots. Each episode is done by a different animator or a team, and for the stories that they tell, they have a different style of animation, and it is so cool to see again just different styles of animation for different stories and there are a couple in there that are very cool in my opinion that were almost like a video game like to some extent and then you've got some that are more 2d hand-drawn yeah that are just reminiscent of some from old school styles and really really recommend that for anybody who's really big on um different styles of animation uh when you mentioned uh we're gonna go into the topic of lust or oh, you know maybe, maybe <laughs> some uh, more adult topics so we mentioned bishonen so in the yeah. east you know bishonen is often used in shoujo animes that are targeted to slightly older female teen audiences and then the opposite of that uh would be ichi i think i'm pronouncing that right ichi yes ichi i believe and Ichi themes are, well, let's explain what Ichi is. It's it's generally accepted as being uh, full of sexually provocative scenes, but mild enough to be viewed by the general audience. Yeah. And scenarios, uh, scenarios that uh, come from innuendos and funny situations. Yeah. That's a really PC way of describing what Ichi describing. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... so <laughs> I want to give a very like I I love that you can describe like the nice little Webster dictionary terms, but I, <laughs> I love I love giving the vivid imagery of it. So in certain anim so specific animes, from my experience with Ichi, it can either be sprinkled in. For example, like a character can be genuinely very good looking. Um, for example, and I will mention again, this is from my observation. It's very much focused on female characters. So it's very much outlining, let's just say their curves within their chest area and their bottom area. So it can be an action anime, for example, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of detail on the sex appeal of the female characters. Now, again, it can be sprinkled in where the character just happens to look quote unquote sexy, or it can be part of the actual comedic narrative of what it's trying to do. So some animes also have what they call sex comedy, similar to what they do in the West. So I remember when I was in high school, when people talked about Ichi and some of my friends who didn't get what it was and was a little like annoyed by it because they didn't get it and I get why they wouldn't get it when I would explain it to them I would say it's pretty much 
an anime take of what you see in terms of sex comedy where you in terms of what you see in, in American Pie or like those types of tropes put into anime with a lot of sex appeal. That's how I explained it as a high school student. I'm not saying that's what I explain it now, but I'm saying if you want a visual, uh, I think that's a more simpler way to, I guess, maybe put it or like, yeah. Or another example would be, because I know in Marvel cartoons, again, same thing. There's a lot of sex appeal, but it's not the same as Ichi. There is an anime I watched, which I will mention later on in the podcast. I'm not, I won't say the title now, but a character, for example, shoots a gun. There's a slow motion scene and there's a lot of focus on the jiggle aspect of her chest. <laughs> and I'm not making this up. They zoom right in on it and they show all of that. They don't show her actual you know, the nudity aspect, but they focus a lot on those aspects of those characters, sexually, in terms of their body. And overall, it's, again, like I said, it's very sexualized. I said sex a lot there. But <laughs> but overall, that's a more vivid way to describe it for anyone who wants like a, a mental picture of what it is. But it's it's not erotic. Like, it's not like you're, you're going to see a lot of sex scenes in this. Again, that's another podcast we can explore because anime <laughs> can go there in the future, but that's not Ichi. That's an entire different category on yes, its own. Yeah. But also, Ichi we, 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 sorry to interrupt, but we, we've been mispronouncing it. Just want to say that it's Echi. Echi? Okay. Echi. echi. That uh, just was looking the pronunciation of it. Echi, I believe. Okay. So we just want to put that out there um but yes it, it, everything that's outside is there's a whole other category of anime out there <laughs> oh god <laughs> we won't go there just yet <laughs> no no not not today's podcast but yeah. we also want to just end this little subject with uh, audience exposure to different types of anime so if you're new to the anime world and you didn't even know that this was something that even sh was shown in anime mm -hmm. because there is a western stereotype of what quote anime is considered to be and it's funny because you can almost distinguish like it, it's it's easily distinguishable from western yeah. animation because of how they're uh, again not just the style but also with certain things that are done so uh, human features often in anime you've got you know, the big eyes, the small nose, the hair, they're very kind of common from anime series to anime yes. series. Chibi style, you know, the little, mm -hmm. little chibis, super cute. Facial expressions, oh my God, I, I love the facial expressions in anime. Yeah. Uh, comedic reactions, which is so funny because they do make it funnier in my opinion. Like I it's agree. just funnier to see someone fall to the ground. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know it for me it only works in anime like if i saw that happen in like a western cartoon i don't know what it is i'd be like yo bruh what are you doing right <laughs> that's so fucking dumb and i'm, <laughs> I'm sorry um I, I think a good example to add on to your list for me i always i don't know where they thought of this like how this originated and i think i want to look into this more but the gigantic nosebleeds when they see a really hot chick or or, or, a really hot guy, or a really hot guy. It, it happened a lot yeah. in Sailor... For anyone who used to watch Sailor Moon, when there was a guy named Christino Mass, he got some Google image it or whatever. But yeah, he's known to be like almost every... I think crush of every single girl who used to watch Sailor Moon from, from anyone that I know. But yeah, in the anime, they would always have giant fucking nosebleeds. Oh my, <laughs> that's, that's not healthy, but it's so funny. I don't know why it, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, the, 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 the equivalent of nosebleeds in in this in western animation is the whole eyes popping out and tongue hanging out yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. that's the equivalent here yeah. so we wanted to t talk about forms of anime or animes that we understand are a little bit harder to grasp and maybe not necessarily people might enjoy them so we mentioned 
etchy and yeah. and the themes of etchy and again if you're new to that and maybe that's not your cup of tea totally okay there's there's an anime out there for everyone and we want to talk about some animes that we've seen that we watched and our thoughts on that so i recently watched an anime and oh my god i'm really sorry i'm gonna butcher this i believe it's pronounced kake guryu um, i'm really sorry if i'm butchering that uh if anybody's interested, you can actually find it on Netflix, Ka Kake Guryu. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the synopsis of that, I'm gonna give a quick description, is basically it's a private high school that has a very interesting curriculum for children of incredibly wealthy families in Japan, where basically they try to train these kids to read your opponent to make a really good deal, and they practice this by doing a lot of gambling in the school. So whoever wins, these rounds of gambling, the winners live like kings and queens, and the losers are basically treated like pets. So when our protagonist transfers, she's a young, mysterious female student, and she plans to teach these kids what a high roller really looks like. So when <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry, um, so when I read the synopsis for the show, it really had me interested, and I wanted to give it a shot because it really focused on gambling. And actually the title of the show translate to compulsive gambler. So it was really interesting to me where this narrative would go. And I gave it a shot. I watched the first season and it's actually, again, I'm using the word interesting a lot here because it showcases a lot of different forms of gambling, like how many different forms of gambling there are or right. games in regards to gambling. There's something called two card Indian poker, which I didn't know what that was. Modified rock, paper, scissors, classic Russian roulette. It shows how people cheat in these games to ensure that they always win and stay on top. So you've got cheat decks and moles and gruesome ways to make sure you're able to move things in a certain way. Right. And I really enjoyed it. However, it's the style of animation that was not, not my cup of tea because this anime is very heavy in, in etchy themes. Right. And I have no problem with that. And if that is totally your cup of tea, that is totally okay. But for me, it sort of kind of took away from the narrative at times. And... I appreciated season one. I never gave season two a shot, but I did enjoy what I saw. But that would be an example of an anime series that you might, that I can understand people might not be like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to watch a bunch of boobs jiggling around. Like, <laughs> I get it. I yeah. get it. It's totally okay. And yeah. I want to briefly mention um, another anime uh, series. I can pronounce this one because yeah. this one is in English. The anime series is called Beastars. And I watched two episodes and I am really sorry to say I, I could not get past two episodes because it is an anime series that is basically humanoid animals, which is a nice way of saying furries. <laughs> and I, it's a, it, furries is a style of animation that I have a really hard time wrapping my head around. Now, again, I have no problem for anybody who likes it, who's got no problems with it. And I will say that I've had multiple people tell me to give it another shot because when you get to the end, it, it's quite good. They, the narrative itself is very, very interesting and very complex and mature. I just have a hard time seeing a rhino with boobs I, I, or, or a parrot with boobs. I, 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 I just, it's just something that I'm 
maybe I'll never get over it. I don't know. Who, who knows? If I if I won't if I watch it, I'll I'll let you guys know. But I can understand why people would have a hard time grasping those two things. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because some people describe that show um, as Zootopia 2.0, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. And that goes back to what I said earlier about there are certain styles that I'll look at. And I'm like, oh, everyone tells me this is good, but I just can't do it because of the specific choice in animation or the specific bodily choice in this character it's just too exaggerated for me to look past sometimes so i do sympathize with that i do have a couple examples of my own i'll list a couple and i'll go into detail with one um a couple one of them is love hina it's a i guess a, it's a basic uh rom-com anime where you have one character and is beloved by many female characters but there's only one that he likes of course and that's the one he's got to choose and be with there's another one called high school of the dead which is a stereotypical what you would imagine a zombie outbreak type show um which is very much focused on the ichi aspect or sorry etchy aspect of what we talked about there's something called helsing which is the which is a very gory show um in terms of what i would describe it to be based on the idea of vampires it, that's it's more complicated than that, but i'm just being very basic and what i want to go into in terms of detail would be a show called elven lead now elven lead is a very 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 hard show for anyone to watch for the first time seeing it is very much focused on gore it is very much focused on nudity um, in terms of a visual perspective so the first episode for and I, and I was on forums and i was watching different uh critiques about this anime myself a lot of it had to do with if you can get past the first episode of this anime then you're good. That's how hard it is to intake. But the concept of it is very interesting. Basically, what it has to do with is the idea of pretty much, in my opinion, a human version of what the, what the concept of Jurassic Park used to be, where you shouldn't mess with nature. Basically, you have, as usual, an evil scientific organization experimenting on human beings and living creatures, trying to develop the perfect being, right? And they kind of succeed, obviously it goes wrong, and you get these characters, and these characters are called the Diclonius. And what they can do is they have invisible arms, about eight to ten each, and they can stretch out, I think, up to meet like up to kilometers apparently. And they can rip apart people, they can rip apart buildings, whatever the hell they want. And it gets very dark, it gets violent very quick. And for some reason, the, the anime starts out with these characters, this the the, the Diclonius race as naked for some reason. They all happen to be naked at the beginning. At the same time, the facial features of the characters look very innocent. A lot of detail on the glare in their eyes, very childlike features, but their body is very mature of something you would see on like a 25-year-old woman. And there have been two critiques of this anime that I watched specifically. There's one critique on YouTube where one person looked at this and then he looked at the history of the creator of this anime and he said this this dude is a pervert <laughs> all his animes and mangas he's creative ha that he has created is focused on the idea of fetishizing violence uh and these type of women who look innocent but are very mature in their body and this was just an excuse for him to portray that in story um and if some if anybody watched the first episode i wouldn't blame them if, if they saw that if that's the reaction they got for 50 percent of it then the other critique which is also what i agree with is it's a very very interesting story with in terms of the the history they explore with this race of diclonians in terms of how it's connected to the other characters and how us as human beings need to stop experimenting 
with human nature and how we should just let some things go and the consequences of that. So you have one approach where this is such a unique anime because no other anime has kind of focused on these elements. And you have another critique where it's like, this is disgusting. This isn't right. And he was not politically correct at all in his approach. And that's going to lead me to our next segue to also saying there are things that we agree on. There are things that we disagree on. So again, I do agree on why some of them might find this anime disturbing because it's very gory and it's focused on a lot on the nudity. Um, and I'm not just saying just mm-hmm. because the character happens to be naked. They literally zoom in again on like the jiggle aspect or like they, they, they slow motion a lot of the violence. And the violence is catered to everybody. It's little girls, little boys, uh, men, women, whatever, like adults, kids. They don't give a fuck in this anime. They go there. Um, and it's something that an anime, if somebody saw for the first time, I will completely sympathize going, I understand why you can't get into this. But if somebody else said I liked it for the unique story based on the the moralistic aspect on humanity i would also agree with that but that leads into the idea of what we criticize and other i guess subgenres of an anime right yep yeah actually i just want to make a quick point you know the the character in elf and lead um uh, lucy that's her name right lucy yes yes she totally reminds me of chi from chobits yeah right they kind of look similar-ish yeah, anyway sorry i just want to mention yeah. that um but yes uh exactly what my ninja partner just said, there are a lot of things that are either tropes or kind of things that are accepted in anime that might be just like, what is this? What, why is this a thing? And yeah. a really good example of a show that kind of encompasses little tri- little tidbits here and there is a rom-com shoujo anime called Oron High School Host Club. And I will say that I actually quite enjoy this rom-com. I think it's quite funny, but I can understand why there are things in this anime that people might not fully understand or even want to accept. And it actually is a really good anime example for us to break down a couple things in here. So a really good, really good one is Lolita type. Now in this uh, anime series, it basically shines a light on various romantic and comedic tropes and they kind of hone it in on a specific character. So each character is this romantic slash comedic trope that is generally accepted in Japan. So one of them is Lolita type, which means basically a grown man or an older teenage boy acts like a younger or has more feminine traits to them. So it can be something as simple as wanting to eat a lot of sweets, cakes, Mm -hmm. candies, or they talk in a childlike manner. So they're always like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like 18, 17 year old in the stories. Now, sometimes in, in some animes, they also make them look very feminine as well even though they are supposed to be men or teenage boys in in these shows so it can be a little bit confusing sometimes (laughs) when you see these characters acting a certain way and using a certain voice and sometimes even dressing a certain way and then you're quickly told oh yeah all these girls have a crush on this boy because he's acting this way and that's just how he is it's it's a comedic trope that can be funny to some but very confusing to others because in the west lolita is i mean other than being obviously a a literature masterpiece is not something that is seen as 
a trope or something that people use in their narratives other than a older man kind of lusting after this idea of wanting to be innocent again. That's sort of what we view here. But in Japanese anime, it is a specific type of character that is embodying this feminine traits, being younger, I want sweets, and I am so cute kind of yeah. persona. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I know for me, when I, when I when my big brother and I used to watch anime together, my parents would be, like, sometimes they just walk by us watching anime or whatever, right? And I, th I think I was watching Fruits Basket one time. I forgot what this character's name is, but he's half German, and he's got blonde hair, and he's one of the characters. And he's supposed to be just as old as the other characters, I think, like 14 or 15. And my parents like, oh, that's such a cute little girl. I'm like, nah, B, that's that's a dude who's like 14 or 15. And she's like, get out of here. Get out of it. I'm like, nope. And she's like, I don't get it, but you boys enjoy your cartoons and kind of just walk away or whatever it is. But um Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's that's on a reaction where it's like it's for some, some people just watch it and they're like, that's not a boy. Like, what? Or like that's not an adult. That's that but that's something that's very common in these narratives that we see. Um the Lulio type is something that is I, I think very common and I will admit sometimes as I watch I'm just like is this really necessary at this point like, <laughs> this story would be better without this character but again like that goes back to what you also said where you know what if there's an audience for it if they like it if they're not harming anyone with their opinions or whatever and they're just watching it and makes them happy then yeah. you know so be it right there's another trope in this anime which again I think we both agree that it's a little hard. We, we, we understand why people don't view it in a way that maybe some audiences are like fanning over it, which is basically the, the terminology we're gonna call it is brotherly love, yeah. uh, which is a bond between brothers that female characters in the show enjoy. And they kind of have an infatuation seeing their brothers be really close to one another. So they're very, uh, caring and, and compassionate towards each other. They're always looking out for each other. Sometimes it can insinuate something else. I'm just gonna leave it like that. <laughs> and you guys can read in between there. Yeah. But again, it's meant to be funny. And in no way does the show actually depict that that's what they're doing. It's It's meant to be playing off of it and kind of making fun of the situation. Again, if you were to see this and you're like, what am I watching? Why is this something that people like? I understand. <laughs> we, we, we sympathize again, as Sal has said, because it's a theme that we ourselves, uh, we're not used to being gung-ho about going, yeah, you, 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 you go ahead and you do that. Like, yeah, no, exactly. We don't we, we don't really do that here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I'm just remembering the first time I watched High School Host Club with you and I didn't hate it. But <laughs> but when I saw that scene particularly, you just looked at me and I was like, uh <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> as to why and I'm and I'm and I'm coding the the brotherly love aspect to it. And yes, it was very obvious that they were showcasing all the the female characters around these two brothers being very infatuated with what they were watching and kind of very like, oh my God, you guys are so cute or wow, they're so beautiful. And there was like an like a look of worship in these characters' eyes too, from what I've seen. Um, 
and again it's it's something that that's a trait that's just out there and yeah like either some audiences some audience members don't like it or some do i know i had a very weird reaction to it. <laughs> for the longest time we're like no you don't like the anime which i which i, I don't hate it i can i can watch it with you and that counts right but anyways. yes yeah and i will say that even though it's not a particular trope that i kind of again stand by and i'm like you know, protesting, no, we should accept it. I'm not saying that. I still enjoy the anime. I still think it's quite funny. But these are two tropes or cliches that we, that you can see in this particular anime. But there are many tropes and many cliches in animes that other people are a fan of and we aren't. And that is really dependent on your exposure to different types of tropes wherever you live in the world. So again, in Japan, and even again, if you are from here and you really like it, nothing wrong with that. But it's again, your exposure to different types of tropes. And with that, we wanna say, if you are interested in doing your own research and coming to your own conclusions, check out these animes. You know, all the animes we've been talking about today, check them out. Um, actually, there's a few links that we can recommend. Uh, Sal, you've got a couple off the top of your head? Well, I've got one. <laughs> okay, he's got one. <laughs> well, um, the anime, the, the one I've actually always looked at it's pretty much what I described to be as the imdb.com of anime, um, which is called animenewsnetwork.com. So basically, it's a basic search engine for anime. But if you want to filter down to like themes and genres and pretty much the things we talked about, if you want an anime that's solely, it's very heavily based on ecchi, you can do that on this website. Or if you want to watch an anime that has action, ecchi, romance, and like mecha, which is also another category for like giant robots. Um, you can find that all on this website. So it's a very good encyclopedia for anime, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and use those sites, do your own research, come to your own conclusions. And who knows, you might end up liking a couple of animes that you didn't like, and maybe we might have scarred you. We're really sorry if that's the case. <laughs> but it's important to kind of come to your own conclusions as well. So we're going to kind of end our podcast on... Well, actually, there's something that we must say very quickly before we get to our last point, which is the bastardization of Hollywood live action remakes of specific animes. Now that's a term oh. that my friend Sal actually coined. I did not coin that. And we want to quickly mention a couple animes, or not a couple animes, a couple live actions that were made from animes that we really liked that are not yeah. good. And we hope to see better ones in the future. And we re recommend that you don't use these as your stepping stone for getting into yeah. anime. Please don't. The first one is Death Note. Ugh. That we're talking about the Western yeah, live that's action why I want one. The... <laughs> yeah. Do not do not use that as your stepping tone. It's it's not very good. And Avatar, which is actually not called Avatar in the in the in the in the movie title. It's just called The Last Airbender, which is the uh, M Night Shyamalan one. Yeah. Really upsetting because I do think he meant well, but it was not good. Sorry, yeah. Mr. Shyamalan. Yes. And a recent one that is in the mix is One Punch Man. I'm a really uh, nervous for that. My God. I'm not even nervous. I'm just like, I don't know if you guys seen that gif of Ryan Reynolds just going, but why from Harold and Kumar? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how I feel about any of these. It's just like, because I, I feel like this with just a lot of narratives in general, not just anime, but I think some things are just better left with that specific platform. Some books are just better as books. Some animes are just better at being an anime meant to stay as a manga or an anime some things are just not meant to be taken and kind of trifled with i understand if you have a creative approach and if you want to take it and i can't blame you for that as a creator if you want to do it by all means i just want to say i hate it but, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you do you, boo boo. <laughs> you do yeah. you. Um, yeah. And again, but, uh, do uh, we we recommend you do your own research and come to your conclusions? But we just want to say that please don't use these as your stepping stone. <laughs> yeah. Now, getting uh, to our last point, as we want to wrap up our podcast with this positive note of anime being accepted all over the world and sort of a phenomenon in different parts of the world. I'm going to let Sal do this one or start with this one because he's got some really cool insights in specific, specifically to a region. Yeah, so I know here growing up specifically when when I used to, I mean, I still watch anime, but when I used to watch it more, it wasn't as popular as it is now, I would say. Um, it was seen as more something that that's, I guess, nerdy or childish or both at the same time. I don't know how you achieved that, but I guess that's mm-hmm. what happened. Um, but now it's a lot different. So I think we mentioned earlier that we both come from Bangladesh and I have cousins in Bangladesh. And I don't know how this happened, but from, I believe, 2008 and onwards. And this is from my observation. This is my conversations with my cousins and relatives. But that's when anime just fucking blew up. Like it's something that over there, it's not just something that uh, I would say not a cult classic of people kind of follow, but it's apparently like a huge thing over there. It's to a point where it's kind of like how rock and roll kind of came out. It's super popular. A lot of people are into it. It's almost seen as like the quote unquote the hip thing to do. If you don't like anime, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> type thing. <laughs> Um, which is so interesting because over here um, it's getting better and, and I think it has gotten better and we'll, and we'll go into that a little bit or like really soon after but yeah it's gotten a lot better where there is a huge cultural phenom- phenomenon over there in South Asia specifically in Bangladesh I can't speak for India or Pakistan I'm speaking from my experience with my cousins and what they've observed and from what I've seen uh, as well I think a good example of how how, how it's getting quote-unquote bigger in western media right now I think it has a lot to do with how major studios are taking advantage of it so you Absolutely. have you yeah. have disney plus that's taking advantage of studio ghibli um if for anyone who doesn't know what studio ghibli is or miyazaki films please go check them out they are fucking magical they're amazing yeah. movies amazing um, yeah. yeah and in regards to netflix uh the best reference and most obvious reference i can think of would be castlevania which is originally based off a video yeah. game but i think castlevania is actually one of the few shows right now that i'm hearing people who weren't into anime watching castlevania like as if they were watching stranger things like they're waiting for like the next season on netflix like it's like a netflix special like people it are is. waiting on this yeah. and yeah. it's really fucking cool to see that uh, a couple other two that y- if you want to go into would be crunchyroll and funimation as well yes and again crunchyroll and, and funimation are sort of your standard um anime sites that you would be able to watch all your anime series on and it's just again like south said it's really awesome to see these studios get the funding and the exposure and people are now accepting it. And as a result, you know, you've got these large streaming platforms now being able to provide these shows to so many people all over the world very easily because, you know, God knows how many times I needed to torrent the whole anime series to watch it when I was much (laughs) younger, you know, kids today, I tell you, they have it so easy. and, and, and that's kind of the really cool aspect to it, that there is more acceptance. I do still think there is a tiny bit of a stigma. Sure. There's a tiny bit of a stereotype. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really cool and really neat to see anime now become this amazing, larger-than-life 
um, thing for so many people because that's what it was for us when we were growing up. It was something beyond all the other Western animated series that we were being exposed to as well. It was something different. And it's cool to see people step into that world, whether they're in their late adulthood, late teens, you know, early adulthood. It's, 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 it's sort of a new journey, no matter what time in your life you're experiencing it. And on that note, it's been a pleasure doing the anime podcasts with you, Sal. This is part two we're ending. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I think we did go into a lot of detail. Just for anyone wondering, uh, in conclusion, we will go into future podcasts about, of course, other things. It's such a large topic, right? So like a few examples that we might talk about would be, I don't know, something like top five animes. That won't be the entire podcast for anyone wondering who hates top five lists. Obviously, that won't be an entire thing. But we might just want to mention like why we like specific animes of that of top five of that year or something like our favorite mangas, talking about pros and cons of certain protagonists, or just overall topics that very much are more specific, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's so much more that we plan on doing. And for anybody who doesn't know, we do have an Instagram page. It's Ninja Nerds. So give us a follow there if you like the content that you're hearing. And you can leave comments on the post and you'll be able to see uh, right away if you follow us when we're posting we're going to have some cool behind the scenes shots and we really we really appreciate the support we're getting so thank you for everyone listening and stay tuned for the next one Goodbye. bye